Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. The book of 1 Peter and chapter number 3. We, of course, are continuing through our series of the book of 1 Peter and with the theme of it of strengthening the brethren, understanding that this was a prophecy that Jesus had made to Peter before Jesus went to the cross that said, When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. And the fulfillment, the answer to that, as a human penman to strengthen those people who are scattered abroad, who are about ready to face persecution, to encourage them. And we need encouragement. Oftentimes when we talk about that, the uh, threat of persecutions on the horizon, that sometimes we could get to the place where we just look at bad news. Sometimes we could just look at our own news feeds. We could look at our social media. We could look at things and just see, oh, this is bad. This is horrible. This is whatever else. And so we get to the place where people are gloom and doom. Oh, it's just so horrible out there. Things are so pathetic. Oh, there's no hope now. And we get to the place where we're miserable. But you know, that's not how God intended us to live. God did not intend us to be miserable people. Oddly enough, God has lined up Sunday school and Sunday morning to coincide with each other. That Sunday school we're going to be talking about for all those that love life. And we'll speak about that in just a second. Then in a little bit in our Sunday morning service, we're going to see several different times where Jesus pronounced to us that he wants our joy to be full. Both of those have the idea that he wants us to enjoy life. And that life should be a joyful, happy, fulfilled life. Not one of gloom and doom, not one of sour dour, not of the one where everything's miserable and whatnot. So with that introduction, turn with me to the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3. The book of 1 Peter chapter number 3, and we're going to pick it up in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. The word of God says this, 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8, finally be ye of one mind, having compassion one of another, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter number 3? 1 Peter chapter number 3, and notice the phrase in verse number 10, for he that will love life. He that will love life. 
And we need to be strong day by day that we can love and enjoy the life that we have day by day. Again, this is a powerful phrase that he that will love life. God desires for all of his children to love life. In comparison, hold your finger here. I'd like to show you something interesting in the book of Ecclesiastes. Again, we're turning back to 1 Peter. But I want to show you a comparison of someone who was the opposite of this. The book of Ecclesiastes. Now remember, the Ecclesiastes is right after the book of Proverbs. Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. Now, as you're turning there, this is written by King Solomon. King Solomon at the end of his life. Now, King Solomon, had, of course, was the wisest man who lived. He was someone who encountered God twice. But somewhere along his life, he chose not to follow after God. Somewhere along his life, there was a decision to go do something else other than follow God. And so as he writes the book of Ecclesiastes, he's writing as an older man who's looking back at his life and doing a comparison. And in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says, I didn't just study plants, I became a botanist. I just didn't um, um, study animals, I became a zoologist. I I studied, I had wealth, I had knowledge, I had fame, I had fortune. There was nothing I lacked. But notice the conclusion that he had in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter number 2. Ecclesiastes chapter number 2 and notice with me in verse 17. Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 7. Notice what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 17. (laughs) Ecclesiastes chapter 2 and verse number 17. Therefore I hated life. Therefore... I hated life. So here is a comparison of two different statements. Here is Solomon, a man who is looking back at his life. He has fame, riches, fortune. He has wealth, power, influence. And this was his statement. Therefore, I hated life. But yet in the book of 1 Peter where we're at, turn me back to 1 Peter and that's where we're going to stay. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verse number 10, it says, for he that will love life. And then it gives some things here. What we can see is that we can love life. That it is not the circumstances and situations that determine your joy. We can be a joyful people. Again, remember the context of 1 Peter. Persecution's right around the corner. We could be people who enjoy life. Even when bad things are circling around us. When persecution's right around the corner. When the news is bad. And so therefore, I would like to take some time and talk about those who love life. And be able to study here. And how we can enjoy the life that God has given to us. Do you desire in your heart to get more out of life? Well, God says it's possible to live our life of the fullest and enjoy the life that God has given to us. So if you don't mind, let's study this passage. And the first thing I'd like to bring to your attention is that our family is to be of one mind. Our family is (coughs) to be of one mind. Notice with me in verse number 8. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. Finally, be ye of one mind. Be ye of one 
mind. Now this is important because the Bible speaks a lot about having one mind and having the mind of Christ. Now if we are going to be <laughs> one mind we have to realize that as Christians we belong to the same family. What do I mean by that? Well when someone comes to the place where they realize that they're a sinner and because of their sin that they've offended a holy righteous God and they deserve to go to an awful place called hell. But Jesus died for them and they come to the place where they personally accept that free gift that God offers them. Then the Holy Spirit who is God comes to live inside of our hearts and we become part of the family of God. The Bible speaks about this quite often. And now we have a brand new spirit spiritual family. And that spiritual family is supposed to be of one mind. Even the same thing with a local church. That a local church is supposed to be of one mind. How is it? Well, hold your finger here and let me kind of show you an explanation in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That members of the local body is supposed to be of one mind. 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. 1 Corinthians 12, if you don't mind. Start with me if you don't mind in verse number 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. <clears throat> For as one, as the body is one and hath many members, all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now it's talking about a local church. And it's talking about that a church is not the four walls or the building or the structure and the mortar. It is the people that assemble together that make up the local church. And that we as members all have a responsibility, have a part to play within that local church. Verse 13, for by one spirit we are baptized in one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, having been made to drink into one spirit. Here it's talking about it doesn't matter your background. It doesn't matter where you came from. It doesn't matter your status, your social status. That we are put together as one body because we all come to Jesus the same way. That we're sinners in need of a savior. And that we're able to be put into one body. Verse 14. For the body is not one member but many. Meaning that that local church. That assembled thing. Isn't just one person. But it is made up of everybody. And everybody has a part to play. Everyone has a function. For if the foot shall say. Because I am not the hand. I, have not the, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? So can you imagine this? That you wake up in the middle of the night. And your leg says, you know what? I'm tired of being part of your body. I'm not part of your body no more. And now it doesn't want to function. Well, doesn't it affect the whole body? Now, just because your foot says, listen, I'm not part of the body no more. Does it make it where it's true? Is it not part of your body? It's still part of your body. And by the way, if your foot is messed up, doesn't it uh, mess everything up? Yes, of course. If you... In the middle of the night, you wake up and you go step on some Legos the kids left up. Then your body is infect, affected by that one member. And so they all have a part to play. They all have a function. They all have something to do with it. Verse number 16. And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? No, your ear says, listen, the eye always gets attention. Everyone likes to look at the eye. But no one wants to mess with the ear. No one says, man, you have the most beautiful ears I have ever seen. So the ear gets jealous to say, listen, I'm not the eye, so therefore I'm not important. Nobody pays attention to me. I quit. 
does it make it true? Does it, are you going to Van Gogh yourself and just take off your ear and say, I don't need it anymore? No, it still has a function. Notice as it goes on in verse number um, 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing? And if the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? Now we understand that every part of your body has a function. Now, some people say, I want to be the eye. I want to be the thing that everyone is looking at. Well, if everyone was the eye, what good would that do us if we couldn't hear? Well, fine. Everyone's going to be the hearing. Hearing's more important anyways. What about the smelling? We just got through with Christmas. Didn't you enjoy all the great smells that were in the house? Unless you burnt it really bad. That you, that you enjoyed the smells that were surrounding Christmas. Whether it was the cookies or whether the candles. Whether it was the turkey or the ham or the stuffing. The mashed potatoes with gravy. The, eating those smells. The smelling is important. And then after that you have the tasting. So we understand that the body is made up of many members, many parts. And all of them have a function. And yet, all of them have to have the same mind if it's going to function together, right? You can't have your arm working independent of everything else. If your arm doesn't work with you, then it's going to be in contrast. It's going to go against itself. It has to be working in concert, being in control of one mind. Well, by the way, where do we get the one mind? By everyone looking at Jesus Christ. Inside of the local church, it is Jesus Christ who is the function, who is the thing of one mind. And so we understand that what often brings a lot of misery when there's dysfunction, when we're not of one mind. We don't want to be miserable. And so as Christians, we can't do anything about everyone else. But we can work on ourselves. And we can try to have our minds put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Looking up to him. Recognizing that we're made up of one body. And that Christ has put us together for a function. And that he can work with us. We can have a unity. Finally, brethren, be of one mind. So we see, first of all, that our family will be, <coughs> will be of one mind. A second thing I'd like to show you is that our faith will be demonstrated in action. Our faith will be demonstrated in action. We're talking about that we are supposed to enjoy life. What is the parts of enjoying life? Well, as we see in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're to be of one mind. That have that unity as everyone is looking unto Jesus the second thing is that our faith will demonstrate, be demonstrated in action. Notice with me in verse number 8 again. Finally, brethren, be ye of one mind, having compassion one to another. Love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that Ye are thereunto called, that ye shall inherit a blessing. We can see here that there's a way that family members are supposed to treat one another. How are we supposed to treat each other inside of a local body as for other Christians? Well, first of all, it says having compassion one to another. You know, there's something about having an emotional response with someone who's going through something, who's 
going through hard times. You know, as we gave the illustration before, when your leg steps on a Lego, then it affects the rest of your body. Well, we should have some compassion. You don't yell at your foot, you stupid foot, you should watch where you're going. Don't you know better? Well, that's not going to help the function very well. It's not going to solve the problem. It's going to make things more miserable. Well, we should have compa uh, compassion one to another, care for one another, desire everyone's well-being. Notice this, love as brethren. Something that Jesus had made mention several times. He says, here's a way that people can know that you're my disciple if you love the brethren. If you love the brethren. Can the actions that we have towards our other Christian, our other church members, could it be described as love towards them? Do you desire the best for them? Do you want them to succeed? Do you want the good things to happen to them? Be pitiful. Now, again, this carries the idea of being tenderhearted, having an emotional response to people, to care for them to go on, to, to move them on. Be courteous. There's something about remind, reminding or remembering your courtesies towards someone. Please, thank you. I was raised in an idea of saying, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. To be able to be courteous to someone else. You know, there's little things that can make a big difference. Because we live in a rude world nowadays, that even the smallest amount of courtesy goes a long way. For example, are you in the habit of thanking the people that work at the grocery stores or wherever you're at and say, I appreciate what you do? Sometimes just it's a small thank you that can make a big deal to actually, instead of yelling at them because they're overwhelmed and busy, just, I thank you and I appreciate what you're doing. Just something being courteous. Well, other, th <laughs> other than that, are you being courteous at church? Now, we're thankful for our church, but there are some places where people have their own seat. And if someone sits in that other seat, they'll just stare at them. You're in my place. All the like, chairs and pews open everywhere else. You're in my spot. You're in my spot. You need to move. And they make people feel awkward. Well, we shouldn't have that type of thing. Here, take my seat. Here, sit with me. Let me help you. We try to encourage that when visitors uh, come in, that they're not be left alone. If there's a single lady here, one of our ladies should go and sit with her. Try to be an encouragement. Try to be a help to them, to let them know well, something about being courteous. Notice as it goes on, verse number nine, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing. Now again, we're living in a world where things are falling apart very quickly. And one of our initial responses is that hurting people hurt people. Because we're hurt, because we're upset, we feel like we're justified to be grumpy, to yell at people, to whatever else. Well, this works against us. That we, if we're going to love life, we should not return. Because they yelled at us, we want to get back at them. Because they're trying to hurt us, we want to get back to them. Because they're being mean to us, that we want to be mean back to them. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> there should be something different. But notice this. But contrawise... Blessing. The word contrawise is an interesting word. It carries the idea that it's contrary and that their actions are contrary to our natural thing. Let me give you an example. Someone gets in your face and tells you that you're a stupid idiot and that you're retarded, that you um, 
How dare you even breathe the same air as them? Our normal response, our normal human response is to get back at them. To come back with a quick zinger. To get back, to say, hurt them with their words. To get back at the place where we show them. That's our normal thing. But contrawise, a complete opposite reaction of what's natural is to be a blessing to them. To be a blessing to the guy who just yelled at me? Yes. Yes. That's something different about responding. And this is something that, that will help us. Now it's bleeding to something. It says, but contrawise a blessing, knowing that you are there too cold, that ye shall inherit a blessing. There should be something different about our behavior. That our behavior should be one out of love towards all of us. We can't enjoy life without loving the family. There should be something different about how we respond even to people who respond. Now, let's get to the heart of this. Let's talk about the good days that God desires us to have. Now, as a reminder, circumstances should not determine your joy. God determines our joy. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Knowing whom he is. Knowing what God has done for us. And we've already did a comparison that Solomon looked at his life and he said, I hate it life. But God wants us to have a enjoyable life that is full of joy. That is one that's enjoyable to have good days. Notice this if you don't mind in verse number 10. As we see here a list, the steps that are were to take in order to have good days. Notice with me in verse 10. For he that will love life and see good days. Now again, there are so many people who are miserable. In fact, may I say that there are so many people who just don't enjoy life. They survive life. Have you ever met someone like that? They just survive life. They just, I made it another day. I'm alive. That's all they, they get. They, they, they may not be hating life, but they're just barely surviving it. God doesn't want us to barely survive. He wants us to love life. He wants us to enjoy life. So how is it? What are some things that we can do on our part to enjoy life? Well, first of all, for he that will love life and see good the days, let him refrain his tongue from evil. May we put a pause there. That The very first thing is to keep your tongue from evil. Most of the things that, we call, that happen in our life are our own fault because we opened our mouth. I don't want to do a show of hands, but how many of you have had a bad day because of something that you said? Well, our tongue, there's death and life in the tongue. How we use our tongue, we can make things worse or we can make things better. And if you want to come to the place where you love life, you have to learn to control that tongue. That we can make things worse because of our tongue. That we need to refrain our tongue from evil. The word evil carries the idea of the intention to do harm. Well, again... So many times we open up our mouth and we've ruined our day because we decided to strike out at someone. We made things worse. We couldn't wait. Someone does something wrong and we're ready to, I knew you were going to fail. I knew you were going to mess up. 
Someone maybe there's a misunderstanding that comes up and we're very quick to pounce on it with our tongue and to point out their failures, to point out that this. Maybe there was, we had said the same thing, we just said it in different ways and we messed things up because we wanted to attack. Again, a lot of things that happen in our own life is because of our own tongue that we didn't refrain from it. We didn't constrain it. We didn't lock it away. Someone says there's a reason why this dangerous animal is parked behind ivory bars and put behind two fleshy moats to keep it kind of intact, to keep it away, to keep it out of the way. We need to watch our tongue to guard it because our tongue is one of the primary reasons why we have a miserable day. Because we make people miserable around us and we can't be enjoying life if we're using our tongue to affect other people. Notice as it goes on. For he that will love life will see good days. Let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no guile. The word guile is part of the lying family. And it carries the idea to say, to tell a story in such a way that you make yourself look better or someone else look worse. And so you could say, technically I told the truth. Well, but you did it in such a way where you emphasized or overemphasized or maybe exaggerated some information to make you look better or someone else look worse. You understand that this guile comes with the idea of the whole lying family. How many times we've messed up things because we decided to not be wholly truthful and forthright. And then you have to suffer the consequences of you not being forthright. You can't enjoy life if you've lied to get to where you're at. That will come back to haunt you. You can't enjoy life if you manipulate and force your way. You understand, you live your life one of two ways. You live your life by force or you live your life by faith. Faith is trusting God, depending upon Him. Living our life by force is trying to make it happen. To push it in there. To fight, to maul, to manipulate, to twist, to try to get your way. Well, we understand the faith life is the best life. To trust God and look up to him that our, the joy that we have comes from God and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. Situations do not depend our joy or happiness. God is dependent upon our joy and happiness. Meaning that we are dependent upon him for our joy and happiness. Not circumstances. But when we lie, when we manipulate, when we tell half-truths, when we omit things, when we twist the story, when we again... A second thing dealing with the idea of the tongue. That we're not going to love life if our tongue is not used correctly. Notice as it goes on, we can see something else in verse 11. Let him eschew evil. The word eschew is a, ge- uh, a term from geometry which carries the idea that a line is straight. And if a line goes away from that line, it is called it's skewed. It's gone away. And it carries the idea that we are to that we are to eschew evil. That means when you see that your path is bringing you to evil, you go somewhere else. Well, that makes sense. Easier said than done, it seems like, but it makes sense. If you know that every time you get next to a person, they get you in trouble, stop hanging around that person. 
If you go to someone that, or if you know someone that, that every time you get with them, you can't control your tongue, you get so aggravated, don't hang around that person. If you know that every time that you go watch this thing, it affects you. By the way, there are things you can watch that affect you. Stop watching it. If there are things that you listen to that you know that it affects you, stop listening to it. Now, again, it sounds simple, but yet, how many times do we find our places and situations we shouldn't have been there in the first place? And now we're miserable because we were somewhere where we weren't supposed to, and now we have the consequences of those actions. See, we're, for those that will love life, we can see that we actually have quite a bit of control of guarding our tongue, protecting our tongue, eschewing evil, going somewhere where we... <laughs> Staying away from those places, we're not supposed to go anywhere. Notice this, let him eschew evil and do good. You know, if you want to have a life that you enjoy, do good. Purposely do things that are good. Purposely do things that are right. Get in the habit of doing things that are right. Now again, most people do things that are neutral. There's few people that say, I purposely do things that are bad. But very few people do those things that are good. You know, sometimes it's little things. For example, you see a piece of paper <coughs> sitting on the floor of a carpet of the church. Hey, we're supposed to keep the church clean for God's sake, but everybody walks past it. Well, you know, someone could have stepped by and bent and picked it up. Now, does that mean that when you pick up the piece of paper, all of a sudden rays of sunshine come down and a choir of angels, ah, look at me, I picked up the piece of paper. No, but you see, it starts to develop a habit in your life that you do good. And as you do good, God blesses. As you continue to do good, as you continue to do right, you start to build up towards it. And you purposely are looking for ways to do good. Not, well, you know, if it comes to my path and, you know, if I accidentally stumble on being good, that's great. Now, doing good carries the idea that you're looking to try to do good. You're trying to do what's right. Trying to be courteous. Again, it goes back to the top that we're talking about being courteous, looking out, loving one another. If we want to have good days, if we want to love life... Well, there's certain things that we can do of ourselves. It's not going to come by accident. You're not going to wake up one morning after being miserable and say, you know what? I love life today. Woo! Let's go. I'm going to enjoy this. Because if your life hasn't been set that way, in a couple minutes time, you're going to find someone that aggravates you and there goes your day. This is something that you can do within your own life to on purpose live a life that is good. Remember, circumstances don't control your joy. God being on the throne controls your joy. We are looking up to him and responding to him. Notice this. Let him seek peace and ensue it. The word ensue carries the idea of pursuing, chasing after it. And so it, let's put this image here. Let's say that a guy finds a girl that he likes and he wants to try to impress her and so he chases after her meaning not in a bad way not as a stalker but you know he does things like take a shower comb his hair he starts to write little nice love letters before texting he used to send her a little note to to get little flowers he chased after her 
then guys forget about it. After they get married, they stop doing all the stuff. But when you were after her in the first place, you did all those things. You chased after her. You pursued after her. You looked for ways. How can I show her today that I love her? How can I show her that I'm the one? How can I help her to choose me? You're, you're choosing after that. Well, the same thing with that. To seek peace and ensue it. So many times we're looking for ways to get into an argument. We're looking for ways to get into a fight. How do I know? Because most of you have social media. Right? People there purposely trying to pick out a fight. I mean, it's even now become a meme, right? Just to prove that people will fight over here, here's a post. And they'll just put a picture of a fence post on there. Because people fight over anything and everything. They're looking for a reason to get an argument. Have you ever expected someone to fail? And you can't wait and you're looking for them. Come on, come on, fail. Well, that's the opposite of ensuing peace. You know, nothing, nothing shocks me anymore. But it is amazing to watch someone die. And then how many people want to give a comment like they're almost glad that they're dead for one reason or to another. Well, they're good. I'm glad they're gone. It could be a family member. I've done so many funerals. It's amazing how family members will respond. And they're looking for reasons to, ah, oh, you know what? They're, and they're looking for ways to, to besmirch, to, to call out someone's character. We do the same thing that we're not looking for peace. We're looking for fights. We're looking for a reason to call them out. We're looking for a reason for something to fail. We're looking for someone to rejoice. (laughs) All right? Let's take politics. It doesn't matter what side you're on. You always demonize the other side. And you can't wait for them to mess up so you can point out, Ha ha, he did this. Ha ha, she did this. Oh, look, look, look. People are looking for ways to to not look for peace. They're looking for a fight. Well, if we're going to ensue peace, that carries the idea that we're supposed to be peacemakers. Not uh, peacekeepers, by the way. Peacemakers. How can we keep the peace? Now, let me give an example. There's a Bible principle called take the wrong. Take the wrong. What does that mean? That means if I'm in an argument with someone, I could either let the argument go and prove to them, I was right, I'm going to convince you, and I'm going to, or the other one. Okay, I'm sorry we have a misunderstanding here. It's probably my fault. What can I do to make this right? You know, it takes all the wind out of the sails when nobody wants to fight. Well, this is the idea of ensuing peace, chasing after it, to look for it. What's wrong with taking the wrong? You know what? I'm sorry that you're upset with me. What can I do to make this right? Instead of, listen here, you're going to understand that I was right. It's the last thing I do. I'm going to ground. We, we like to try to win the arguments. We like to try to think, what's wrong with taking the wrong? What's wrong with trying to look for ways to get this peace? You know what? I don't want this to be a big deal. If you think this is your Barbie doll, here, take my Barbie doll. Take it. In the argument, look for ways to ensue peace. You'll enjoy life a lot better when you stop having to be the person who's always right. Have you ever seen somebody or a couple that there's one person who always has to get the last word? No matter what. It could be goodbye. No, goodbye. 
And they have to say the last word. And they're going to fight to get that last word. What's wrong with letting them have the last word? Is the world going to collapse? Is there going to be a black hole that comes over the sky? If you happen to be not... If you don't get the last word in. If you will allow them to win. Or... We're going to blink first. All right. We're going to stare at each other. I was watching someone. They were a secular guy who was talking about the art of negotiation. And saying, all right, the first person in a negotiation is the one who's going to lose. So they had two people in a negotiation just staring at each other. (laughs) Why is that a big deal? But people feel like they have to compete, they have to fight, they have to prove to the whole world, I was right, look at me, acknowledge my greatness at all costs. I don't care if I crush you, you will acknowledge how great I am. Well, that's not ensuing peace. And by the way, you're not going to enjoy life if you have to kill everyone, crush everyone, squish everyone in order for you to prove that you're great. Why not? Look for ways to have peace. Ensue peace. This will help a lot of things. If you notice, there's actually quite a bit in our life that we can control if we're going to love life. If we, you will be a lot less miserable if you have to prove to everyone that you're the greatest. You'll be a lot less miserable in your life if you learn to control your tongue and use that tongue to help uplift people and encourage them. You will love life more if you're not always in a fight. You understand this is practicality here. This is something we can do as we look up to the Lord Jesus Christ and allow Him to guide us that God can bless us And we can enjoy the life that we have. So let me ask you that question. Could it be said of you as a true statement that you love life? That you enjoy living? That every day you wake up, it's a brand new possibility. You know, some people have a hard time waking up because they don't want to face their day. They don't want to go find what the day has for them. But there are some people who enjoy life that don't need coffee. Can you imagine someone like that? They, they love life. They, they enjoy and say, I can't wait to see what today holds. I can't wait to see the sunshine. I can't wait to hear the birds singing. I can't wait to see what God is going to do for me today. I can't wait to enjoy life. We should be types of people that enjoy life. Now, let's go to a, 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 um, a practicality application to this. Why does this matter? Some people can get to the place where they say, well, my life's horrible, it's all right, it's just how it is. Have you ever met someone who's addicted to be miserable? Well, that's not should be our description because the rest of the world could... They be said of people who love life. To find people who love life is very rare. Most people either hate life or for the vast majority, they just survive life. It's just a thing I have to go through. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I just, I'm here. Well, the people who are here, they, they want to actually love life. Where are they going to see that at in our lives? 
when they meet a Christian who actually following the Lord and loves the life that they live, people are attracted to that because they look at their lives and how meaningless and empty it feels at time. They want someone who actually can have a life that they enjoy. And people would say, I want that. How can we have that, by the way? Well, knowing Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. Learning to follow after Him. Those that will love life and just guarding our tongue. Looking for peace. Trusting in Christ. That God will bring in the things that we can trust in Him day by day. That we don't trust in the news. We don't trust in social media. We're not looking forward to what the bad news is going to be. But we can love life. We could be a type of people that love life. And because of our love of life, that others say, whatever you have, I want that. Is that the type of life that you currently have? Or do you have a type of life where people say, I want your life? Most of us probably know lots of people who say, I don't want their life. They're the most miserable people I know. I don't want their life at all. I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. Well, you understand it doesn't matter about the circumstances it's how we respond to life. We could live our life by faith. Or we could live our life by force. We could love life or we could hate life. We could survive life or we could thrive in life. But those things are our choice as we decide to follow after God. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.